King P here. And Stelio7. And welcome to another episode of This Week in Metropolis. Yep, this week we speak to DNA, that's Darren and Andrew from DNA, just said that. (laughs) They are the magical mind readers that appeared on Britain's Got Talent back in, what was it Matt? 2017 I believe. 2017, so um, yeah, really interesting chat with these guys. Um, Annoyingly they did um, do some mind reading on Matt, uh, but we didn't record it. We didn't record it. Yeah. Uh, but the show's really good, so um, check it out. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome you to This Week in Metropolis. Welcome to another episode of This Week in Metropolis. Tonight we are joined by DNA, Darren and Andrew. What happens if people call you Andrew and Darren? Does it? Do you then have to change your name to And? Funny enough, we always um, we always sign our emails off Andrew and Darren. We never ever <laughs> Darren and Andrew. It's, it's like the um, Ant and Dex scenario, but um, but yeah, um, thank you for for joining us on our show. Um, for those who don't know you, I mean, I first saw you as I'm sure a lot of people did on Britain's Got Talent series seventeen, was it? Uh, series seventeen, series two thousand and seventeen. You was on. Um, so, so my first question is, what am I thinking? You're thinking, my God, I can't believe I've actually got them on this week. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what I managed to do that. What nah. is well done. That, that is impressive. Or is it bedtime yet? <laughs> <laughs> so for those who don't know you, can you tell, tell the listeners and the viewers a bit about yourselves? Go on down, I'll let you kick off. Yeah, okay. So um, Andrew and I are both magicians. Um, we started being, well, we became friends, I'd say in what, 2010 or 2011, Andrew? Something like that, yeah. Something like that. And then very quickly turned to mortal enemies, very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, and we developed this, uh, I mean, it's based on a second sight act, but it, it, it's known as a telepathy act. And we're one of very few acts in the world that can kind of replicate what we do. Um, and we just decided it was a bit more fun doing gigs together than on your own because being a magician is quite solitary you know you're on the road you're gigging you know you're meeting clients all those kind of experiences you it's quite isolated yeah so we thought you know hey like we like hanging out we like doing something a bit different and kind of that was that was the seed of the idea and then it just kind of grew um and that's how we became you know dna and uh, decided to you know we, we had a couple of chances over the years to try and make it on tv in, in other in other ways and for one reason or not one one reason or another uh, we never quite made it and uh, we thought you know what let's give britain's got talent a shot so what was your experience of britain's got talent and do you think it was you know a, a positive thing uh, for you to do well, i mean it was certainly a positive thing because andrew before you before you go oh. there tell them about the year before like start it off at the very beginning <laughs> Well, okay, so what happens on Britain's Got Talent is um, you, you kind of get a call from the show. A lot of people get a call from the show because they're obviously looking for talent. It's not just about queuing up for the day and being number 3,000 and standing in front of judges. They do do open days, but we were contacted and asked if we do the show. Uh, this was the year before we did it. And I was completely up for it. I was like, yeah, we got this opportunity and blah, blah, blah. And at the time, 
it was quite short notice and, and Darren had sort of like a previous sort of like arrangement to uh what were you in Wales or something yeah I was going to see a show like I had to see a show in Wales and for one reason or another I was just like come on like this is an opportunity don't go to see the show and he was just like I can't I can't get out of it it's too short notice anyway and blah 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 and I I kind of regretted sort of like giving up that opportunity in in 20 well what would have been the you know season 10 mm. 2016 what um, was the show, by the way? Just to... uh, was, uh, Dynamo had his uh, arena oh, show. Right. So, cool. yeah, I was, um, yeah, I, I kind of, he's a good friend of mine, but, you know, I was excited to see the show. Yeah. And like, my girlfriend at the time was excited and I booked this hotel. And do you know what I mean? It was kind of like a an occasion. I was like, really? Yeah. Mm. And then Andrew sort of said, um, why are you not prioritising? Anyway, so we had a massive argument about it. He went to Wales and I guess if you sort of like fast forward 12 months, the amount of work we actually put in between, you know, kind of the end of the summer agreeing to do the show the following year, we put in so much work that realistically, if we'd have gone in for it the year before, we'd have been massively underprepared. We certainly wouldn't have done the same kind of stuff that we were able to do when we were on the show yeah. so I guess you know looking back it it was kind of fortuitous because those opportunities you want to make the most of and yeah, yeah. kind of rush things and just say look this is our chance and they've asked us and let's do it um it it, it would have been I guess a, a bad decision I mean yeah. you, never, you never know you never know yeah. but I think so did, did they contact you both times then to, to yeah come yeah they no. came, they, Oh, sorry. No, you no, contacted no. them, didn't we? We did. We did. So we we were kind of, year. I think it was like December time. We contacted the top dog at ITV, his PA, who we knew, and we said, "Look, can you get us in contact with someone that's got talent?" They then phoned us and said, "We've got one date to offer you. It's in Birmingham, and it's on this date." And I was like, "I can't do it." Then we had the argument. Then in I think it was July, we got contacted by one of the researchers saying, "Hey." I know you wanted to do BGT last year and you couldn't make it. You wanted to do it you this year. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and that's kind of how it happened. And we ended up going into a meeting at Talkback Thames and sort of showing them what we do. And they said, like, guys, we love it. But the only thing is, how can you, how can you turn what you do into a piece of theatre? And that's when we went away and then developed the T-shirt change as part of the act. Sure. Um, and, and yeah, it's funny because we spent years working on this uh, two-person celebrity act that is it's like insane the method that goes into it mm. yet we're remembered for changing our t-shirts more. <laughs> now, I, th I think for, from my perspective I mean me and Matt watched all the videos back in in prep for, for speaking to you both but I remember it at the time and thinking you're because it came out of the blue because you're so focused mm. on the the, um, the other side of your act then all of a sudden to just go hang on a minute <laughs> The t-shirts have checked and you that was like just another little bonus to it and well, was, that's it it's the punchline isn't it mm. it's that sort of yeah a bit how you described you know maybe feeling you could have been unprepared the, the time before but it's that wow that's really clever and then it's like that right hook of actually we're even more clever than you realize you know so even though it's more of a novelty thing it's like oh yeah wow yeah, I think it's just, did they do that? You know, when you've got an opportunity 
opportunity to do a show that's as far-reaching as BGT. Yeah. You want to make it and, and hit them with as much impact as possible. And yeah. you know, we didn't want to waste the opportunity and just go, you know, this is our act and we hope you like it. We wanted yeah. to leave them with a real talking point to say, how did they read minds? But hang on a minute, guys, if you've not seen it, we kind of wanted to, I mean, it, it kind of worked in our favour, I guess, because you never know what the outcome is going to be. But we figured that for all the people that haven't seen the show, their friends that had seen the show would probably forward a clip onto them to say, yeah. watch that these guys sense. and wait till the end, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And that's why it had so many views, I guess, because yeah, everybody it, wanted to share it and go, did you see it? No, yeah. me neither. You know, kind of It thing. went viral, you know, I mean, mm. that, that was the whole idea. And, and we trended worldwide, number one on YouTube for two days, which was like insane. Like, which was at the same yeah. time as the Star Wars trailer, at whatever <laughs> Star Wars was out at that time. Yeah. So it was incredible to think, you know, DNA was number one for two days and yeah. just underneath was Star Wars. Star Wars. Like mental. Insane, isn't it? Do, do you now have that expectation when you do gigs that people are waiting for the t-shirt change? <laughs> people are. And we do do it live. Yeah. And people are expecting us to do it live. But I'd say 99% of the people we speak to say, I knew you were going to do teach. I knew you were going to do the change. And I was watching you the whole time. And I can't believe I missed it again. Brilliant. You know, and, and they kind of appreciate it even more in a live situation. Yeah. Because I think there's still that element of people going, well, maybe if I was there, I, I would, there's more to it. Mm, so when yeah. you do it live for them and you still fool them with it, they're just like, yeah. okay, like you really got me. Yeah. I'd say, I'd just say, shut up, mum, stop coming to my shows. <laughs> <laughs> She's sitting there, he's going to do it in a minute. He's going to do it in a minute. Speak <laughs> <laughs> <Wake> up. Wake <laughs> With, with the judges, and, and we've spoken to someone about this before, um, Graham Matthews. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with Graham. Do you know what? Graham is, um, he's the one person who actually caught it. Right. We didn't tell anyone that we did the show. We auditioned for it at the end of Jan. Was it the end of Jan? Yeah, um, end of Jan. Yeah. And they don't tell you till the end of Feb, right? So I didn't want to tell anyone until I knew if it was a yes or a no. Okay. Mm. Now, I literally found out that I was doing it. Then I, I was doing children's parties at the time uh, for a, a well-known uh, children's entertainment company. And I went to uh, a place called Marsh Farm in Essex. Um, which I think you spoke about. I said to, and I'd literally just found out, I think it was like, it was about two or three weeks before we aired, right? And I knew we were through and whatever to the semis. And I said to him, I was like, hey, 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 how you doing? I said, oh, um, I've get, I'm like left doing kids parties now. He said, have you? I went, yeah, I've just got some like big corporate um, contracts come in. He's like, hmm, April, you're doing BGT. And I was like, <laughs> no. And he's like the only person that ever called it. And I was so happy to see him on the show. Like, yeah. I don't know about you, but I absolutely loved his act. I really did. Yeah. It was so yeah. funny. And you know, BGT's got, it's got a habit of, of changing someone, you know, like yeah. changing an act. And I just, I wanted him so badly to stick to being that family favorite yeah. entertainer. Mm. And like his semi-final still makes me die. Like it's still really, it's, I just find him hilarious. I liked his audition, I liked his semi, I thought he was brilliant, so. Yeah. Uh, in his, I remember the first, like you said, he's. I think his audition was a was brilliant as well. But with he had Amanda up on the stage, and I, I noticed on your one, you obviously used all different members of the of the judges um, panel. But do 
what what Graham was alluding to was that you're kind of pushed towards using particular members. Well, were were you thing. in your act? Well, here's the thing, you know, for, for the audition, um, the only person that we actually called up on stage was Simon. Mm. And we did something with Amanda first. And, you know, when we spoke to the production team and said, like, we're going to get Simon involved, they were like, oh, listen, we can't guarantee that he's going to come up on stage. Sometimes he'll play along, sometimes he won't, yeah. and we don't want it to interrupt the flow. And we just said to them, look, we are completely non-offensive. We will do it in a way that we haven't, we're not really giving him the opportunity to say no. And if you go back and watch that audition, you know, Darren's down with the judges, I'm on stage. And he, you know, says, everybody's give a wild round of applause, words to this effect, as Simon joins us on the stage. Yeah. So we've already making that assumption that he's going to come. It'd be really awkward for him to stop things and go, no, I don't want to do it. It's almost yeah. like we're kind of carrying him up on stage. So they were kind, they were kind of insinuating maybe Simon wouldn't be the best choice. Mm. But for what we wanted to do, Simon was the perfect choice because, you know, he is the you know the main guy on that show. Of course, yeah. And, of course. You know, whilst we did use the others in in later stages, um, we definitely wanted to get Simon Cowell up on stage. So yeah, I mean, we were sure that we you know we had enough. We'd had enough stage time at that point where we were confident he wasn't going to create an issue, and, and it worked yeah. out. So yeah, I mean, you know, whenever me and Andrew perform, uh, we always like to get lots of people involved because the more people that get involved in the show, um, the less likely it is for anyone to think that you know we set anything up in advance. So our original idea, we wanted to use all four judges, um, didn't kind of work out that way. But I mean, Amanda's really receptive to magic. Um, David likes to get up and be silly and sometimes take a little bit of the centre of attention towards himself. Mm. Um, and we just we just measured the risk and we just thought, right, well, we need to maintain control. Uh, we wanted Simon on stage of us and we thought the best person to do the mobile phone thing was Amanda. Um, we didn't get told to do that. They never, mm. like Andrew said, they never advised who to pick. They just said, there's a risk with Simon, he might say no. And in fact, I think there was a, um, a ventriloquist, wasn't there, Andrew? I think a couple of years ago, he like, I remember that one. his leg, yeah. and then Simon just walked off. I remember that. You know? That was yeah, when he had the, right. the mask yeah. on. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, he really didn't take it well at all. Yeah. Is that because, exactly. I mean, is, is is that because of you have people who are sceptical about it all and the non-believers of what you do? Is Simon in that mix? And, and Simon aside, do you... Do you have people when you're doing your your acts and your your shows, where you'll have people who want to make the snidey remarks or the the kind of I don't know? Do, do you know what I mean? Like the the, the awkward is, ones. During the show, we don't usually get people. Listen, we call lots of people up. You know, back in the day when we were doing lots of live shows and we'd have lots of people join us on stage. Occasionally, you choose somebody that wanted to hog a bit more of the limelight than a participant mm -hmm. normally would. Um, but you just learn to deal with them quickly. We've, I don't think we've ever had somebody up on stage that has gone, okay, so I want you to do this. And then it's been confrontational. So, yeah. oh, well, if you need me to do that, it's clearly because this is based on the method and blah, you know, yeah, it yeah. just doesn't happen. I don't think anybody would really have that confidence to get up and be so confrontational during yeah. you know, a performance like that. But you certainly get people, you know, when we say, we just want to point out, we've genuinely never set anything up. Yeah. And, 
you know there's always going to be on occasion somebody go oh yeah apart from 10 minutes ago when we met and you gave me that 50 quid it's like <laughs> hey right let's get all the comedy out the way now we genuinely haven't set anything up and it's just you know that's probably yeah. as bad as it gets uh, the thing you do notice with your show is you maintain control at every possible moment and it's the watching back in the videos the just from the the way, like you said, you know, everyone, you know, applauds Simon is coming on the stage, but the way you're um, talking to the people involved and the constant confirmation of, you know, the, the, that was your choice. We didn't lead you into that, blah, blah. It's just that I think you both have a certain way of speaking that sort of is um, it's assertive. There's uh, a presence. There's a presence and it's mm. assertive. I tell you, is, is that a big part of making everything work that that sort of control I think that's enough, just I part think... of our, I just think that's part of you know who we are as performers really sure you know, Amanda we have to maintain to... control sorry Dan. Amanda literally what what uh, what Matt just said Amanda said to us didn't she at the end of the semi-final she said you guys have got this presence on stage I just can't take my eyes off you or something like that yeah, pretty, yeah. Um, words along, along, along those lines like yeah but yeah I mean everything everything is sorry, scripted in a way to you know, so yeah, keep control. Mm. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's very easy once you're on stage to lose control. Yeah, yeah. And listen, we've learned the hard way as well. It's not, you know, that you know, getting up on stage and having that confidence to completely control all of the situations. Well, that comes from being in a situation previously where you might have lost control or things didn't go how we expected, and then mm. thinking, well, how do we make that better? Because we've always said and I know this is sort of like a mantra for Darren and myself, You're, and everybody in life really, you have to be bad at something before you mm. can be good. You just have to. There's that, you know, rite of passage and, and that path of learning. Mm. And when you're performing, and if everything always goes right all of the time, you don't really learn that much about what you're performing. It's only when it goes wrong that you suddenly think, well, hang on a minute, what, where did it go wrong? What, yeah. How do we alleviate that happening again? Um, and then you start shaping the scripts and, you know, if everything you say, like we don't want to just come out and talk for the sake of hearing our voices. Everything we say sums up what they're about to see or introduces something we're about to do. Mm. We don't want there to be extra words for the sake of just hearing our voices. So we, we I think by nature of the app, we have to be fairly direct. Otherwise yeah. people can get lost. Yeah. To be honest with you, we're sick of hearing each other, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to do a mime act next. Yeah, if you can exactly. do what you do in form of mime, I mean, it'd be amazing. Exactly. It like, this, like this, with a pad, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. Done. Yeah. Did, did the element of having four well-known faces, the, the judges as they were, did that add extra nerves and tension to you guys? Because I know, that, like, even talking to you guys, like... Me and Matt, with the past kind of series that we've done and, and this one, with the guests that we're getting on, there's always an element of, well, we're just Joe Bloggs from down the road and we're talking to people that have been on the TV or have some form of fame or celebrity. And there's an element of nerves always for us in the in the build-up to it. But once we start chatting, it's all good. Is there right. that same with, with you guys? And depending, it might be your peers. Like um, Darren mentioned, like, off, uh, before we started recording, that you're, you're friends with Dynamo. Like when you're doing things in front if he's ever there watching is there that element of nerves when someone of that stature is watching 
Do you know what? I, I got into stage performance long after Andrew. And one thing that Andrew taught me is if you don't get a little bit nervous, then maybe you're doing something wrong. Mm. Um, and I, I think some nerves are good nerves. I think mm. if you get a bit complacent, um, you, you care less. I, I presume you care less about your performance. Um, but for us with BGT, um, it wasn't so, I mean, we'd performed on like Prince Harry and like lots of famous people over the years. And, you know, I wasn't necessarily frightened to meet them. The thing that frightened me and Andrew was we had one rehearsal before the audition and it messed up. So literally the next time we did it was the time you saw it. Mm. We were just like, that was, I was sitting, I remember like, cause I was, I was behind the judges. Cause I pop up and like give them a, not a fright, but I'm like, hi. Um, I remember so I'm sitting there watching Andrew walk on stage and I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I'm, <laughs> I'm starting at any second. And um, I'm sitting yeah. backstage and Ant and Det come sort of like round the corner and I'm sort of like right at the back of the stage and they went, DNA? And I went, yeah, that's me. And they went, oh, I was expecting like a, a boy band or something. And you're just one person, right? Off you go. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm about to walk on the stage. Now, for me, yeah. the, the fear wasn't, you know, the four judges, the fear wasn't, oh my God, there's like two and a half thousand people and I'm at the London Palladium. The fear is I've got one chance or we have got one chance to absolutely nail it mm. and make sure that this is our best performance in order to get us through to the next stage of the competition. Because what people don't realise, when you do a show like that, if it goes well, brilliant, lovely. But even if it goes well enough in your mind, the judges might absolutely hate it, slate yeah. you, buzz you halfway through because boring, get on with it and et cetera, et cetera, because you're at their mercy. Yeah. And I just didn't want to have to face any kind of embarrassment or humiliation because mm. I think if that's ever aired, and I don't think they do sort of like intentionally try to embarrass people now, you know, not people that have a profession, you know, somebody that gets up and does something which is clearly a joke at, yeah. fine, they, they're going to have fun at or fun with. But for us, I just wanted to go and do ourselves proud. Like we've worked hard enough. I just wanted to be able to walk off that stage with my head held high. Yeah. And, and that was really the driving force of any kind of trepidation about doing the show. How long does it take you to prepare an act like that? Or, and sort of what's your, what's your starting point? How, do, you, do you have a idea of an outcome and think, how can we make this work as such? Well, I mean, the thing is, like, we, we'd kind of been, we didn't put the app together just for BGT. Like, we've been mm. working on Oh, that. no, I'm talking yeah. about generally. Like, yeah. if, you're, if you're thinking, we're we going to put this act together, you know, what's the, from inception to being able to deliver it, what sort well, of preparation? Well, here, here's the thing with our app. I mean, it, it essentially, the app is pretty linear in terms of you think of something i'm going to tell you what you're thinking sure. but if the act cons consistently was think of a number it's 34 think of a color it's red think of a famous yeah. person it's you know whoever it is that becomes a mate that is amazing but it becomes very tedious yeah but for mm -hmm. us we always go whenever we're discussing something to go into the act it's always right how do we display the same kind of thing, but dress it up so it kind of feels different. It's got a different yeah. rhythm. It's got different reveals. Not everything is like a big reveal. You know, it's it's yeah. it's light and shade, really. So 
but it's also the directness of it. Like, you know, our act is as stripped down as an act could be in as much that it's Darren and myself, two pads and two pens, and that's basically the act, you know? So we're super not- fine because we don't want to, you know, when we were going away and, and doing a lot of shows, everything fits in one suitcase and you're finished. We don't have to think mm. about, you know, ATA cases and God knows what, you know, taking it from place to place. Um, so I think for us, it's just like, well, what's the effect we're trying to achieve and how do we do that and make it different from yeah. other elements in our show? That might sound a bit vague, but that's probably... No, no. no I'm, I'm actually going to ask you a question directly. I mean, I, I would say that in terms of having the idea of performing the telepathy act, uh, we spent years developing it. Yeah. Then we started going out and trialing it. And then by the time, uh, by the time we decided to BGT, we probably worked for about two months work, workshopping the audition, right? And then since then, when we had to develop a theatre show, so we, we, you know, we did a show in Le- the Leicester Square Theatre in London. We had a UK tour with 24 dates all around the UK. When we had to, you know, perform on like cruise ships around the world, when we had to perform in a theatre, when we had to take what we did and then develop material, effectively what, what, what Andrew's talking about is we come up with a concept, then we workshop it, and then we put it in the act. So actually, yeah. we can have an idea and perform it the next weekend. Or we could, another one of our routines, we literally were working it for about a year and a half before finally one day we were just like, you know, if we do that like that, now it's going to work. So there really isn't an it's going to work in a way that we're satisfied with it as a finished piece. But suddenly, you know, sometimes you can be doing a routine for, you know, two or three years and it kind of gets the reactions that you want. But as a performer, it kind of, you kind of feel it's, it's not quite there yet. So we're constantly trying to shape yeah. things and, and change it up and make it as good as we can, really. We yeah, find a better way of delivering something, even if it means completely rewriting the script, we are prepared to do it and give it a try. Yeah, sometimes we'll come up with something and can go out and gig it that night. And other times we, you know, we'll work it for three years and then just bin it because we hate it. Yeah. I mean, that's one story I'll tell you really quickly. One one time we decided to do this routine. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to say what, what the routine is like because I don't want uh, to implement. No, just don't. Just carry on. Yeah. Uh, basically, <laughs> we, did, we decided that we were going to do this routine and we had to go and buy a prop for it. And we decided to try it that night and it was a disaster. It really was. And I just remember that coming off stage and I was like, oh, what on earth did we do? But, you know, it's like, if you, it could have been brilliant. We could have tried yeah. it. It could have been amazing. Um, but I think we're not scared to, to fall on our asses and yeah. pick ourselves up, dust off, and go again. Yeah, I was it's all say, very well, sort of like being a bedroom warrior and sort of like practicing in front of a mirror. But yeah. you, you, first of all, if you practice in front of a mirror, you're missing half the act because yeah. you're too busy. You don't really know where to. Are you, am I watching myself or am I trying to deliver a performance? Yeah. Mm. And there's just no point. It's you kind of have to get in front of people. Yeah. You know, like Darren said, when we kind of developed this, we were both working magicians individually. Uh, we tried to do the act as often as we could you know, to a client. And if we couldn't, we'd go out to sort of like bars, anywhere where there were people, basically we could try it. And, you know, when we first started doing it, it would go wrong a lot of the time. That's the truth of it, it would. And that was sort of like a big sort of like learning springboard for us to kind of say, well, okay, we need to fine tune this. And it takes a lot of time to fine tune it to the point where 
I'd say, you know, when we started, we might get it right, I don't know, 10 times out of 100. Now we're getting it right 99 times out of 100. Because it's not infallible, it's just yeah. not. Mm. And, and that's kind of the excitement, I guess, from a performance point of view, kind of keeps you on the edge yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I think that was one of the nice things, though. See, you you saying not getting it right every time on one of those Britain's Got Talent videos, where I think you write down eighty-one instead of thirty-one. Yeah, that yeah. almost yeah, going to trigger my PTSD now. I'm oh, sorry. No, but it, it gives you more in a way, though. It gives the act even more credibility because it gives it, it puts that human element into it, rather I, I, than being I'll like. Just... I justify it slightly, okay? So we weren't even meant to do that in the final. Sure. We were meant to do something completely different with a Rubik's Cube. Um, and then on the day of the final, for one reason or another, we just decided to change the act. We had about an hour and a half to write a whole new act. And with what we do, you know, if the nerves get the better of us, yeah. it's finished. And, you know, script up, you know, a mistake got made. Um, and then literally, I just remembered like standing there feeling like it was falling down around me and it did, yeah. you know, and I, I still to this day have never watched it back. I cannot really? watch it. And, and the one regret we've got about the show is not going with the app that we'd kind of submitted and had approved. And, you know, if you go back and watch that final, you'll actually see the backdrop is all sort of like cubes, like black right. and white cubes. And actually that set was made to complement the Rubik's Cube that we were meant to be using. You know, but anyway, for one reason or another, we didn't do it. And yeah. we do regret not doing it because you go into that show to win. And yeah. I think if we'd have done that, at, I'm not saying we'd have won, but we'd had a better chance of winning because of sure. Lawless. And, but things worked out from the show for us mm. nonetheless. You know, people kind of don't really remember that. You know, they yeah. kind of remember us as... In fact, if I've, I've asked many people, do you remember what we did in the show? And like Darren alluded to at the beginning, it's like, oh, you were the guys that changed t-shirts. Mm. Even really remember the mind reading stuff as much. Oh, mm. t-shirts, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's crazy. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Simon, funny enough, Simon, um, he was walking backstage and I saw him and I just like shook my head and he just pat, I remember he patted my stomach and he's like, it's made you more human. Don't worry about it, it made you more human. Mm. It does. You know, that's like the last thing he ever said to me, I think, was that the last thing? But I'm pretty sure it's one of the last things he ever said to me. Um, Get out of my house, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get out of my garden. <laughs> We're changing gears ever so slightly. We've um, got a returning segment to our show called... Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on again. My question this week is... I know you've got some mind readers on the show. So if you could read anyone's mind, living or dead, who would it be and why? Um, is dead people might be more interesting, possibly. Okay, thanks, gentlemen. Well, okay, so I'm going to answer that first. And I'm only going to say this because this is probably, but like, this is actually a very honest answer. I mean, I could think of loads of characters sort of like, since the beginning of time, that would be really interesting to delve into their mind. Along the way, you know, since the show, before the show, you know, we've had the opportunity to meet loads of famous people. So the one famous person I've never met that I'd love to meet, and I'd love to read his mind, just because he's just somebody I'd love to meet, because I think he's just awesome, is Sir Tom Jones. 
So that's my honest answer. Not because I think that he, you know, I could extract something from his mind that would be <clears> like <throat> the revelation of the century. I'd just love to meet him. Just to meet him. Yeah, He's I, such a cool really, guy, isn't he? Like I, I don't get starstruck, but maybe if I met him, I might be. I don't know. Yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to show him what we do. So that's yeah. probably the most honest answer. That's great. Mm, oh, this is really difficult because, like, where you threw the dead or alive thing in, that's thrown me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's mixed it up. Well, well, I'll tell you mine while you're still thinking, Dad. Oh, my, my, okay. Mine would be my wife. Um, just to... Sometimes, <laughs> like I was saying to Matt before, like, you know, is she all right with me um, doing this podcast right now while our two children are sleeping? Um, I'm trying to keep the volume down, but it's all good. Um, but, you know, it'd be nice to be able to read a woman's mind from time to time. Maybe right, it'd, be, it'd be too much of a burden, wouldn't it? Oh, <laughs> there is that as well. Might not recover. Yeah, yeah, true. I'll take the bags. Some things we're... are best left unknown. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about it earlier, and I think I'd probably choose Donald Trump um, just to to know whether what he's saying is actually calculated or whether it's just like this reflex that it just comes out. <laughs> this, this bile. It's got to surely be viewing out. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, don't know. If anybody's guilty of talking before their brain's in gear, yeah, Trump. But oh, I don't know. I just feel like I can't answer with just one. Oh, do loads. Don't mind this. Those rules well, with this. I mean, the, for me, the person living that I want to re read her mind the most is Her Majesty the Queen. She's my yeah. favourite person in the whole world. I like, I love her. Um, so she'd be my number one choice uh, living. Dead. I, do you know what? Andrew and I have been very lucky to perform all over the world. And there are some moments, you know, in, in places that you go to where you're just like, that was there. Like, for example, in the Vatican, they've got mm. a, a re Egyptian red marble bath that was owned by Emperor, like, um, Emperor Nero, in like, wow. 1000 BC or wherever it is. And it's like, he, that was his bath that was in his home. You know, you look at something like that that belonged to someone, or you go to like the Sistine Chapel and you see that those yeah. incredible paintings. And I don't know. I just think that you know, would I like to go? If it was like historical, I'd maybe go to like Jesus or um, you know, or, or Julius Caesar or something yeah. like that, really far far back. Or I'd go more modern, somebody like Michael Jackson. I don't think mm. I don't think there's ever been a celebrity like him ever. I don't think there will be for a long time. You know, if you think like the modern day equivalent, I mean, you, you literally can't. He was, the level of fame was yeah. insane. Like, I don't think you'll ever get in one with that level of fame again, really, will you? No, well, I don't, I don't think he's not. He was like four or five years old. Mm. You know, he was deprived it's, of childhood. And... It's not like, so. you know, nowadays, you, you know, you could be famous on social media and people kind of know where you are and stuff like that. Michael Jackson, like, that was way before any social media and he couldn't go anywhere. Like it was mm, yeah. crazy, absolutely crazy. So yeah, they're my few. Okay. What would you um, say to have going, going back to your act to have, you, you mentioned to have, you know, starting as a magician and, and now to what you do as a, a telepathy act more. What's, and we've referred to it as mind reading. What's the correct sort of term for well, I mean, it what is you a mind do, reading would you act. say? I mean, at heart, it is a mind reading act. But I guess, you know, as part of that, you know, it's the transference of thoughts between Darren's mind and mine and, and yeah. vice versa. So we kind of say it's a mind reading and telepathy act. It's yeah. really encompassing. 
And how does that go hand in hand with sort of the magic? Is is it sort of at what point did you think this is for us? This is what what's really I think, I think gelling. I mean, probably to answer your question, sort of like in the most thorough way, yeah. magic. If you if you use magic as the umbrella term, yeah. Underneath that, you've got close-up magic. So people do stuff with you know cards and coins and that kind of stuff. You've got escapology as a branch of it. You've got illusions. You've got manipulation where people come out with bare hands. They produce coins yeah. and cards and all that kind of stuff. Um, you've got mind reading as another branch of it. Um, what other branches are there? Have I missed any out, Darren? I wasn't even listening to you. Glaring, brilliant. <laughs> um, so for us, you know, we we used to perform sort of like a lot of close-up magic. We'd sort of like perform sort of like a stage. I've never sort of like done a stage act where I've sort of like gone and had sort of like a an assistant and you know done sort of like big illusions. But yeah. I used to do a more traditional magic act, say. Um, and I think the thing is. I always like performing sort of like some mind reading effects as part of my own act. And I guess Darren did as well. And we just figured that the mind reading just feels more believable for people. I mean, there are people that just, you know, love magic and take it for what it is. We don't ever go into a show and no matter how impressive the show may be, and it's, you know, based on people going, wow, like it's just impossible. Nobody, I think, has ever come to see us who then thinks that we get on broomsticks and flies home. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, it is an entertainment act. You can make up your own decision, you know, your own mind as to how it works or, or what it is. Um, and I don't know, it just feels very easy and relatable yeah. and relevant. It's always going to be relevant. You tell me what I'm thinking. I think that's impossible. Well, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. Kind of thing. Not yeah. that set it up as that kind of challenge, but it just feels like the most real thing that you could do. Yeah. You know, so. Do you, do you feel with the lockdown and how everything's kind of been adapted to it, i.e., this year's, well, last year's Britain's Got Talent obviously had no physical audience there. They had the big screen with all people. Do you feel you could have? done your act the same way or do you feel you would have had to change it up i honestly feel like uh, this is meant with no disrespect to anyone uh, since the show that we did i genuinely believe that if we'd have left it any later i, I just don't think we'd have had the career that we had after the show mm. uh, i think someone said to me a long time ago that the show the show gets bigger and the talent gets smaller so you know when you know, if you think back to people like Stavros Flatley and Paul yeah. Park, Susan Boyle, people like diversity, you know, there was, you know, in terms of kind of, uh, what's the word? Um, what's the um, the term for it? A reality TV. Right, yeah. It was kind of limited. There was like your big brother and a few things like that. And when Britain's Got Talent was on, that was like the hottest thing on TV. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, you're an overnight celebrity. Whereas when we did BGT, you know, the the night that we, you know, when when BGT finished, Love Island started, and we all know what happened to Love Island. Yeah. Everyone straight away is forgotten about. Um, and then Love Island was like the biggest thing. And now, if you think a couple of years down the line, no one really cares about Love Island anymore. Yeah. So it's kind of, you got to move with the trends. 
for us, we just wanted to go on and perform with integrity and show what we do. Mm. So now when we get booked for events, we aren't booked because we're celebrities, we're booked because we're a credible act and we yeah. do something that is, in our opinion, you know, different to what they would get from other other entertainment. Um, so right. have, you, have, you ha- have you had to do virtual gigs then? Yeah, do you know what? if I'm being brutally honest with, with you guys, you know, we kind of missed the boat on it a little bit. It's not to say that it's over because I think virtual entertainment's here to stay for a while mm. anyway. Mm. Um, but, you know, there were people straight away when lockdown first hit, they were investing in like backgrounds and camera equipment and developing a show for Zoom. And they were kind of just doing it and, punt, you know, punting themselves out. You know, Andrew and I run a company, you know, we we went on furlough, so we couldn't work. Um, and then we decided that, you know, coming up towards Christmas, you know what, really, we should be kind of doing this now. You know, it's... We, I don't think anyone knew with COVID. We still have a Zoom show now. Um, yeah, we've got a Zoom show. We have, but you know, we we didn't, we haven't capitalised on it. You know, mm. we, we should have done um, by now, but we just we just haven't. In truth, um, yeah. is it uh, is it trickier though? Is it trickier I, to do what you do? Well, do you know what? We've actually got into a groove where we really enjoy it. You know, mm. in terms of doing the stuff over virtual. But you know, yeah. I've always always hated, especially. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a magician and I, over the years I've seen uh, magicians on on podcasts and interviews and stuff. It's all, you know, lots of people get on and go, oh my God, yeah, life's amazing. I've got so many gigs and I'm doing this and the other. And, you know, the reality is it's tough. Like, it's really yeah. tough for our industry right now, you know, and, and lots of people are struggling hard, struggling bad. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are people out there that haven't been on Britain's Hotel, that haven't been on TV, that are smashing it with the virtual shows because they marketed themselves correctly. Mm. Yeah. So, and also, and also, I think it comes at a price point as well. And you know, somebody might be doing five shows a day, but they might be getting tips for those shows. Yeah. You know, whereas you know, I think the people that are reporting that they're going out and charging the same as they did when they did a normal corporate gig, but actually they're sitting in their boxer shorts and a shirt, and they do the show and they're punting that show out for thousands of pounds every performance, five yeah. times a day, five days a week. I just find that too much to believe. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, you don't have to charge a lot. You know, better earning something than nothing. Mm. But there's lots of factors that go into how often you'll be working and, and what you're prepared to work for and, and, and why, what, what you're doing. Yeah. Kind of thing. So. Do you, are there any acts um, that you see now? Like, to, I'm just talking from like, like a professional, you're in the industry perspective. Are there any acts that you see or have seen and think, I have no idea how they did that? Or does your background of knowledge sort of spoil it for you? You think, oh, I think they probably are doing it in this sort of way. Well, this is difficult because Andrew and I have both consulted for other magicians. Oh, right. And really, we've, you know, if we didn't know, you know, if something like out and out fooled us, there's normally a reason behind it. Maybe sure. some of it's been lost in an edit or, yeah. uh, you know, it's got some wild technology behind it that we just wouldn't be aware of but in terms yeah. of like traditional magic i think we could watch acts and and if we don't know exactly how they're doing it we've got a pretty good idea sure i'm not sitting that's not, not sitting penn and teller in a sense you know penn and teller have got the show which yeah. i mean i 
my opinion on that show is not neither here nor there, but I, I just kind of think it's a shame that it kind of reduces magic to a method. That sure. show effectively yeah. has reduced magic to a method. They either know it or they don't, and therefore yeah. they either know the method and they don't. And I don't necessarily love that as a concept. However, if you've been in magic, and obviously we haven't been around as long as Penn and Teller, but I've you know I've been around magic a long time, and so has Darren. You know, and it's like a, a life's worth of knowledge up to this point. There's not that much that we're not. Yeah. You know, we haven't got a, an idea about. That's not to say we don't see performers and performances where, you know, you look and go, wow, technically it's flawless. It's as perfect as it could look. I can't even imagine the number of hours of dedication that takes. And I certainly wouldn't have the tenacity to do that particular yeah. genre of magic as brilliantly as they do. So you have an appreciation for it. Yeah. You don't have those moments of, wow, I've got no idea. Who was you aiming for when you sort of, you know, starting at zero where before you came magicians or were inspired to who were the ones that you were looking up to and thinking one day I'd like to achieve that or, or get to that level of ability I mean growing up for me it was sort of like the big American TV specials of David Copperfield that yeah. was like my main inspiration I grew up in an era where Paul Daniels was you know primetime Saturday night TV for yeah. decades well 17 or 18 years so, you know, that was kind of a big inspiration, but I don't think there was somebody that I went, I want to be him or, yeah. you know, I, I, I want to be in a double act. You know, it's just, you, you're just acquiring knowledge and then going mm. out and entertaining people, really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, for me, I've kind of, you know, I agree with what Andrew said, you know, I didn't want to be someone, but there's loads of artists that I kind of look up to. And, and I know Andrew would agree with, with most of these with me, you know, you've got kind of, you know, Dynamo and David Blaine yeah. and Darren Brown. Um, you know, for me, they all kind of change the game in their own way. David mm. Confitt, Daniels, people like Wayne Dobson, like real. You know, yeah. these people are like geniuses. They, they, they really are incredible. But we never wanted to like emulate anything that they did. We wanted to carve our own path. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's kind of answering. With David Blaine, so I remember when David Blaine, <laughs> sorry, James, uh, but when David Blaine first came out and like seeing his street magic and that, it was absolutely incredible. What, what, what do you think of his later work where he's sitting in a box or, or something like that? Well, do you think that has a place in, you know, you said magic as the umbrella. Do you think he has a place in there or is it more? Well, the thing is, he kind of, you know, came out and did all of this amazing magic that focused on audience reactions yeah. as well as the magic that he was doing. And then, obviously, for you know reasons that were lucrative deals, mm. you know, he you know stood on top of a totem pole for however long. He froze himself in ice. He, he yeah. did the, in the box, and all of these things were kind of endurance stunts. And I think he yeah. kind of built himself as sort of like a, uh, a magician and stunt man, that mm. that kind of you know mystery man. And his latest specials that I've seen, he's kind of like gone back to the magic. Yeah. However, having seen him uh, when he did his UK tour, I think last year or the year before, I saw him at Earl's Court and he does some pretty amazing stuff, you know, where he sort of like drinks down an incredible amount of water and like puts out a fire like a human fire hydrant. And he does sort of like the water torture, you know, um, 
cell where he sort of like holds his breath and you know i think he did like four no maybe it was longer than four minutes but certainly like a massive it's like 20 minutes, isn't it like 18 to 20 minutes no no it's not as long as that I could go back through my phone and find the photo. I think that's uncomfortable to watch, though, isn't it? Yeah, I guess that's part of the experience, it isn't it? It might be sort of like nine minutes or something. It's incredible. Yeah. You know, you kind of hold your breath with him and it's sort of like, you know, 90 seconds into it, like, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Mm. But he does do, in his live show, sort of like stunts and magic. But he's mm. lost TV. Yeah, 17, 17 minutes and four seconds. 17 oh. minutes. 17 minutes. Like 17, 18 minutes. Yeah, that's mental. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, do you know what? You know, when people sit there and say, yeah, especially because we're in the UK and he did the, the box suspension mm. at Tower Bridge, people are like, oh, yeah, throwing eggs at him and stuff. I yeah. genuinely believe his his stunts will stand the test of time and people will look back and say how incredible it was. I genuinely yeah. believe that. This is what I always say when people just go, oh, well, there's no skill in sitting in a box. And surely he must have been getting a water supply from somewhere. I was just like, okay, well, let me put it this way for you. Imagine you had a table full of food and you had a table full of drinks and you had a comfortable bed. And I told you that you're going to stay in that room. The food's going to be replenished and the water will. And you can sleep whenever you want on the bed. I defy you to stay in there more than three days without feeling mm. like you're mental. And then try yeah. it for a week, and then try it for however long he was up there. I mean, it was weeks, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, How long was it? I can't even remember. A long time. Oh, it's quite a while ago time. now, wasn't it? You try and stay in one room where you've got all your creature comforts. I bet yeah. you could you go stay yeah. Mm. yeah. And he's yeah. doing it in a Perspex box that's blowing around. The yeah. <laughs> up on, uh, you know, whatever it is, you know, remote phones yeah. and stuff. Well, to, to wrap up the show, we asked a question to our last guest um, and, it, and it kind of steps away from what we do day to day or not what we do day to day, but in our, in our work life, so to speak. What have you kind of had to get you through lockdown? What, what, have you binge watched things? Have you been gaming? What, what's, what's your interest outside of mind reading people? Well, I'm going to answer this first um, just because it's a bit of really simple answer. So when lockdown first happened last year, um, I went out and bought myself a bike. Um, and I was lucky to get a bike because every bike shop had sold out of literally every bike. Yeah. And I was very lucky to be able to get a bike and get it set up. And I literally spent a lot of the time in the first lockdown going out for walks with you know my kids, um, mm. spending a lot of time, you know, which was great for my mental health, getting out mm. on a bike. I remember how beautiful the weather was, was April, May, June. Oh, it was amazing last year, yeah. And I, had, I was out all the time getting super fit and healthy, which was great. Um, I'm probably the biggest consumer of Netflix in the world. I've seen every show. There's a couple that I need to catch up on now. <laughs> um, and this year, I 1st of January, I said, right, my goal for this year is I'm going to learn the guitar. I've said it for decades. I've never done it. And I've done it every day since the 1st of January up Amazing. to now. Uh, I don't know going out, but it's, you know, three and a half, three weeks, roughly. Three, three and a half weeks. And I intend to carry it on because I love mm. it. I'm uh, exactly the same with you on that one, Andrew, because um, I've had a guitar sitting next to me for God knows how long. And other than playing James Bond on it, I'm, I'm <laughs> about as far as I get. So I, I really need to start um, working on that. Yeah. How about you, Darren? 
Yeah, no, I, I did the same as Andrew. I bought a bicycle um, and I kind of went out every day cycling, um, got myself like fit and healthy. Because uh, I mean, both Andrew and I were like banging to the gym uh, from kind of, well, he started a bit earlier than I did, but September the year before. So when was that? September 19? Yeah. Yeah, September 19 through to lockdown. Me and Andrew were both like super fit, going to the gym and stuff. And then lockdown happened. And then just started training, you know, training at home and going for a cycle and stuff like that. So that was good. Um, I've got my teeth stuck into a couple of projects um, aside from DNA, um, which has been good for my mental health as well to kind of get busy with that kind of stuff. Um, mm. And then and then now we're just at the stage where we're like, you know what, we really need to crack on with the virtual shows and market ourselves as being available. It's all well and good having yeah. You can have the best show in the world, but if no one knows about it, then you're never going to get a book. So, yeah. and you've probably heard this from lots of other people, if not sort of like on this show or sort of like with, you know, in your friendship groups or whatever, whatever. You know, obviously, COVID, the first time I was aware of COVID was sort of like New Year's Eve, you know, 2019 going through to 2020. And then kind of never really heard much about it for the first couple of months of the year and sort of like come March it was like okay this is something serious and you know so up until that point we had a diary full of shows 2020 mm. was really set to be a great year for us in terms of going out seeing the world performing being at events where we wanted to be and you know having a, a, a very good year and it kind of all fell apart and that's a real bitter pill to swallow. And I know lots of people had it worse than that, obviously. Everybody knows somebody that's lost somebody and it's tragic. Yeah. But you kind of just have to put yourself almost into survival mode and say, right, I've got to get through this because there will be light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. Now we are where we are. We're trying to get to that light at the end of the tunnel yeah. with our own endeavours. Mm. Well... Thank you both for um, taking the time out to um, come on the show and talk to us. Where can, speaking of marketing, where can people find you online? DNAMindreaders.com um, or our socials, DNA Mind Readers on everything. So, brilliant. We need, well, to, we... we need to step our game up with that as well. We're not very good on socials. But... <laughs> we, we will add all the links on the um, footers of, of the videos and so forth. So, um, once again, Darren and Andrew, DNA, thank you so much for joining us. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Don't forget, if you did enjoy it, please um, like, subscribe on whatever platform you're watching and listening on, because in that way you won't miss out on any future episodes we put out. Yeah, and don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms as well. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah give us a follow and uh, you'll be able to keep up to date with all the the latest uh, episodes and posts that we um, put out there but thank you for uh, listening and watching and we'll see you next episode